Welcome to the Human Reboot with me, Emma Last. We have uplifting, inspiring and diverse reboot stories from people sharing the courageous, honest, authentic and sometimes difficult life lessons. The Human Reboot will provide proven mentally flourishing formulas and practical tips to help you to live life to the full, giving you direction and hope. Make your mental fitness and well-being a daily priority. Learn to pause so that you can get clear and perform at your best. Switch off to switch on. It's time for your Human Reboot. On the Human Reboot podcast today, I have with me Gary Parsons. Gary is co-founder and managing director of TalkStack. He demonstrates how good things can come out of a recession and has scaled his multi-award winning people consultancy to become a major player in the Midlands region of the UK. He works with employers to focus on their biggest asset, their people, and Gary and his team know how important it is to find the balance between life and work. He's extremely passionate about the role we all play in mental health and overall well-being not only for employees, but for leaders too. So welcome, Gary. Hello. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, I am honoured. I am honoured, my dear. (laughs) It's been a long time coming. Uh, It has, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about your business and why it's so important to you. Crikey. Yeah. Um, How long have you got on a podcast for us? So, um, you know, something that's really exciting. I've been talking about it all year. We're in our 12th year. We, you said on, on my intro so kindly that we started in 2009. We started in a global recession that was huge in the UK. Um, Certainly financial recession was a, a, a big uh, phrase that was being used at the time. And we talked about recessions over the last couple of years, but crikey, 2009 was a really, really big time. So yeah, like, like the phoenix out of the fire, we've grown and grown. And I, I often say it was the um, the best but craziest thing I ever did. And 12 years on, I'm loving it. We have come from a, a recruitment company, which is what my background was. I worked in the corporate world and and so did our co-founder, David. And um, yeah, talk staff became a leader in its own right within recruitment. We were really leading from the front and doing things in an entirely different way from how other businesses were doing it. And we've grown and grown. And not only do we do recruitment uh, in our business, we've actually turned that completely on its head. And we are now a full 360 beautiful business that now focuses on people and that that classic example if you find great people and you develop them and you and you work with them then ultimately they will stay in your business and you will continue to grow and that's the basis of our 360 degree approach to people and now we are working with companies that are growing some people are looking to exit particularly over the last couple of years they're working to exit um, because they've had enough or just ones that companies that are just looking to grow we now work with them to look at a more sustainable approach to people and uh, we support them on HR payroll recruitment we do some really the stuff that I love and I know you do too getting involved and just looking at how they um, plan for plan with strategies and 
and focus on well-being, look at employee engagement, look at their vision, mission, values, purpose in their business. And and it's it's amazing. It's amazing when you see that light bulb moment go off. And yeah, that light bulb moment that happens with a an employer or an owner where they say, we really need to focus on this because we can see the value in it. And it's just as important as finance and marketing. So, yeah, um, I told you I'd be really passionate today talking to you. Hopefully that gives you a, a good synopsis of what we do. Great. Well, I know that you are very passionate about what you do. So, um, And you know I'm passionate about what I do. We've had many conversations. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate. Well, I was fortunate to meet Gary earlier this year. So we've had, we share a lot of similar values, I would yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, I think we, you and I both have a professional, but more informal approach to how businesses should be run and and focusing on people. And I, and I think that's maybe, um, pun intended, the human touch of, uh, of working with businesses, because I'm sure we'll get on it today is it's a really, really tough world to be in a business, to be growing a business, to be working in a HR team, wherever you sit and, and, and absolutely the employees but it's tough and you just need people to just be there to to hold your hand and and make sure that you're supported along the way and I know you do that as well which is why I'm so excited to talk to you so let's start then let's find out a little bit about the reboots that you've been through throughout your life so please would you share with us how you've navigated challenge and change and overcome adversity Crikey, how many times have I done it over the last 12 years? Perhaps a lot, a lot of many, many reboot stories, the roller coaster that we have on the, the journey of growth. So yeah, the first one that stands out in my in my head was when we started. I genuinely thought when in 2009, it wasn't as bad as it looked and I was very positive and perhaps falsely in some, falsely placed in some ways. I sat down with David, who I'd known for a number of years, and he said, come and move 100 miles away from where you grew up. Uh, I've never lived anywhere other than 10 minutes away from my mother's house. Uh, and as a single parent and as an only child, we've got an amazing relationship. She's my best friend. And to move a you know, two and a half hours drive away from her was a huge thing. But we we did it. I left my very stable employment, which you don't do that in a recession, and set up a business with with David I blame him absolutely he got me um, in a pub garden on a hot day and basically talked me into it which again I, I love and I love it now but looking back it was the craziest thing I did and I thought everything was going to run okay I, I genuinely thought that when we set the business up I could replicate what I had in a previous business in our own and just run with it and that was really hard uh, we were working, I went and got a part-time job, although perhaps most will say it was a full-time job. I was working eight o'clock till six o'clock during the day to start our business up from the back of our flat or shared our shared flat. We had tables set up, etc. in there. And I was working in a hotel in the evening and I was coming home at one o'clock in the morning and falling into bed and, and getting up and working every hour of, of every day managing the bar of a hotel whilst weddings were happening just to try and get some money through the door to pay our bills and it didn't happen. I officially moved over in the August and we went home at Christmas that year and said if it doesn't work when we come back after Christmas we'll give it well we'll give it a couple of weeks. If it doesn't work 
let's just call it quits and go and find a job. And I went home for Christmas feeling pretty rubbish because I'd worked and my immune system was pretty low and I colds and all sorts of things going home to go and see my mom and see family and, and took a week out to do that and came back and we took it really seriously and spoke to a couple of customers and you know everything happens for a reason we came back we were so committed and I remember we went to a meeting and we Dave I think David drove or I drove to a meeting to talk to somebody about creating a partnership and on the way to that meeting I had an email or a voicemail I need to get this story right at some point, an email or a voicemail from a client saying, we've never used a recruitment agency as we were only a recruitment agency at that point. Never used one before. Really like what you're about. Need your help. Can you give me a call and can we get this sorted? And in that car park, we had a five minute conversation and we decided the best thing to do was to ring ahead, tell them and be honest with them and say, We've had a client that's called and we need to sort this out because it's really important. Can we rebook this meeting? We were sat in their car park outside the building and we turned the car around and drove back, put every ounce of energy into finding that person for this company. And they became our best customer and still are a customer 12 years on. We've just recently found them a payroll manager for their business. They've grown. (laughs) They've been acquired twice. The HR manager now manages a whole business, multi-million pound business, and she still is supported by us. And I think from that January right through till June, we built so much money in our account that we decided, do we go on holiday and do we take some time out or do we really take this seriously and stop being David Gary recruitment? And that's where talk staff came into its own. And we brought our first apprentice on, um, talk staff Tim, as we affectionately call him, uh, who we're really proud to still be in touch with today. And uh, that that is one story in itself. But it feels like that's been a roller coaster. those journeys that you, that imposter syndrome that kicks in. And I, and I know it's a really cliche phrase, but, but you do, you doubt yourself and you say, should I have done this? Should I have gone and taken this big risk? and cut everything off and moved 100 miles down the road and taken this risk. But it but it does pay off. And I think you've just got to sit there and persevere. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it does. But I think you learn a lot more from it. Absolutely. So if you were to look back on the last sort of 12 years and pick another couple of times where you've perhaps had to, don't really like using the word pivot or evolve, let's say, within the business are there any other points that really stand out to you yeah absolutely so we've always been and I looked back at our website there's a website you can look on to say what does your website look like 11 years ago or 10 years ago and I did it um cringed a little bit because it looks horrendous (laughs) but I and and it really did luckily my picture wasn't on there or might be somewhere and I looked back and funnily enough there's a phrase on our website that says As a recruitment business back then, 11 years ago, it says a 360 degree approach to staffing. Isn't that crazy? If I'd only could, I could articulate what we now do as a 360 degree people consultancy. In the same way that you go to a solicitor or an accountant, they they don't just specialize in one thing. They've got different specialists in different departments, whether it be litigation or wills or bookkeeping or tax. I was always scared of that one-man band business that's got the harmonica playing in the streets whilst banging his drum or 
that one-stop shop kind of phrase that people would use. And I, I was always scared of that and had some branding conversations along the journey six, seven years ago where they said, Gary, do you think maybe you should not have talk staff payroll, talk staff HR, talk staff training, recruitment, and actually just have talk staff as a business? And that was a really big learning that we've gone through over the last year or two. And so when we work with clients, we always want to make sure that we are giving them extra value in those conversations. We are consultants at the end of the day. We work with businesses to support them, but it's about a two-way conversation. So for us, we've always wanted to do that. And we've and perhaps we gave a little bit too much. So to answer your question of how we pivoted, three, four years ago, we looked at that and, and dug into that a little bit more, that we're providing these services and providing advice, but we were giving a lot away for free. So what we've done is still have those services, and we call it our talk staff house. We're one big family here. We do laugh together pick on each other and, and cry together and support each other when we need to. And, and we've, we've got a great culture here, which I'm, I'm sure you you know from, from conversations we've had, uh, particularly today where I'm talking to you, we're having payday pizza, which is absolutely the day that we all get together and have a, a good laugh and joke together. What we've done now is looked at that relationship a bit more. And we're still our consultative. That absolutely is the core of what we do as a business. But we, we, we pushed on that more and that, talk staff family that, I, that I've just talked about is very much about making sure that we've got those support services to help those clients on that journey, but just get a bit more involved. So we, we took that, that value of, and that um, behavior of consulting with those clients and we took it and we looked at it with a big microscope and we said, okay, we're doing it, but are we giving it too much away? Are we getting too involved? Some of the, the work that we do is we don't get paid until we find people into a job for recruitment, for example. But we were helping businesses grow and not sometimes not getting anything back whatsoever. And we realized there was a massive gap in the market to say, have that kind of, we call it coach alternancy. It's a bit of coaching and a bit of consultancy in one. And working with those businesses to say, we'll, we'll be on that journey for you and we'll sit there and we have coaching programs with clients. It might be around one particular topic, but overall, those businesses want to grow. They might be looking to exit. So how does that look? And okay, yeah, that might involve recruitment. It might involve HR support along the way, probably will, payroll and lots of things along the way, but they need somebody to truly hold their hand. As a consultant, whether they use our services and our teams or not, they need that coach, that consultant to help them go on that journey. And we've done that. And now we have relationships with a select number of clients where we now hold their hand, show them the foundations that they need to build, fill those gaps in their business where perhaps they're experiencing issues or they they have been victim of those that lack of planning before. And um, yeah, we now go on that journey with them as a true consultant. And it's really helped us. And the relationships we have are really inspiring. I love it. it. It's got to be the the best pivot that we've done in the business and and clients were screaming out for it. So interesting. When you talked before, so you were talking about talk staff, like recruitment, talk staff, this, talk staff, that, you know, in terms of the niches or the brands within a brand. So how important do you think it is to niche? Crikey. In our our business, if you'd asked me five years ago, 
I would say absolutely. So I come from a from a marketing background. Uh, so I worked at Money Supermarket, and I've always been passionate about marketing from the day I turned sixteen, and and it's something I've always really enjoyed, and I love getting under the psychology and the creativity that comes with that. So if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd say, oh no, internet marketing, you need to have this and you need to have that. But for us now, we're in a position where we can truly support those clients on that journey. And those clients don't have to pick up the phone anymore and brief a whole new company on how they're working and what their strategy is and where they're trying to get to. However, I would say that companies, we still need to lead that. So we have effectively account directors in our business that work with those clients and make sure that they are getting different teams involved across our business. Because I can think of two, three people now straight away that I would take into any client meeting if it was talking bigger picture about how they were growing a business. Because in that room, that knowledge that we've got is, is amazing. These people are qualified, they're experienced in it. We've got people on our business that have been doing it for 19, 20 years. I need to take them into a room and great that they've got the qualifications and experience, but there's elements of that that I won't know. But if that's a recruitment person that comes in to the door, there's an element that our HR team might add, there's something that payroll might add, or our HR projects team might add into that that they can add their own. So I, I think it's great to niche your business, but I think you need to work collaboratively. Um, ironically, is one of our values. We're huge on values in our business. Collaborate is one of those, one of the most important ones for us. Because I think if you bring all of that knowledge together in one room, that's something you can do really powerful. And I don't know of many companies that are doing it in the people space that, that we are doing it. And that's why we're successful in what we do and why we have the respect that we have. So it's almost like recognising the specialism and the expertise within your organisation or within your workplace and using that to your advantage, probably over a niche right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I said I was scared of being that one-stop shop or that one-man person in the street with, with the tambourines and harmonica, etc. Well, yeah, that's potentially those analogies are because you're spreading yourself a bit too thin. But if you've got teams of people that are specialists that are doing that day in, day out, there are people, and I've, I've been doing this for 15 years, there are thereabouts, show my age, absolutely. Um, but there are people in our business now and, and our business, should I say, because we that's the way that we work and you know that, is there's people that I would now go to for that advice because they are doing it day in, day out. And I don't want to get rusty, so I do involve myself in it here and there. But I'd rather bring them into a room because they are doing it day in, day out. They are seeing how the market changes. But if you're doing that as one or two people and we're covering all of those areas, then you're going to spread yourself too thin. So I think there's power in that knowledge of something that you're practicing day in, day out. And hey, there's, there's a reason why they outsource to us because companies might only recruit twice a year. They will go to our HR, to our recruitment team. There's companies that might not do a disciplinary for five years, but absolutely need to make sure it's right because they could end up paying a lot of money out of their business if they do it wrong. Or, hey, let's yeah. let's go throw it out even bigger. Actually, maybe could keep those people in that business and not just discipline them and, okay, not all disciplinaries result in dismissal, but if that's where that's looking like it's going, we could save that person and that loss of knowledge that occurs because that person leaves that business 
we could help them do that because we're experienced and doing it every day. So yeah, I think there's a lot of power around focusing on what you do and, and utilizing that and using that voice to encourage people to, to think differently. And I suppose with your, your approach as well, where people come first, it's potentially that holistic view. Have we checked that there's not other things going on in their life that might be stopping them from performing and you know obviously in turn that protects the company etc so leading <laughs> on so you talked a little you just mentioned values I'd already got it on my list here but, <laughs> I knew you would <laughs> so when you started the business what would you say your values were then Cracky. so I've, I've done a little work on this personally um, over the years and humility is absolutely a, a value that I hold really dear. Humility is is huge for me. And I've only gone on that journey probably in the last two or three years personally. But back then I was I was always a bit disruptive. I was always a little bit like that at school. I never really wanted to learn things because I couldn't see the value in why I was learning it. So back then, and we we actually did it as an exercise. David and I went out and we with our hard-earned money for the first year, we sat down and we said, why were businesses working with us and not working with a brand? And it's because we listened. We absolutely were. We were, we were consultative. We were happy and, and open to have some real tough conversations. And um, we used to go into meetings and, and apologize at the start of a meeting because we would challenge them. And we would say at the start of the meeting, yeah, OK, there's things that we're going to ask you today that are really going to push you out of your comfort zone. So I apologize if I offend you in a meeting. And I remind them of that halfway through because we know that we'd ask some really tough questions. And I think that's because we are so honest and we are we are human and we don't pretend we we want to get the best result for everybody because we care. And that's come up time and time again when we've asked the team, what why do you do what you do? What makes you proud? And it's because we care about what we do. And there's the best conversations are when clients are picking up the phone and telling us that they've won an award. We've won awards that are employee of the year. I'm looking at them in front of me now, commitment to people development, people development awards, because we care about the team that we have. And that's not because we wanted to win an award, by the way. We entered it. We never in a million years did we think we'd we'd win. And I remember being stood on stage the first time we won because we we don't take these things for granted. And that comes from maybe the humility is our name got called out at the first award we won. And I went on stage, had two people stood next to me, one of them being my co-founder, David, and turned around. They were in tears and I had to give a speech on, on how amazing it was to win. And, and I cry it. And while I try not watch things like Holby City because I'm in tears in seconds. So to turn around and see them in tears and realised how much it meant to people on the stage. You said that you wouldn't make me cry on this podcast. <laughs> so you, <laughs> uh, you're making me get emotional thinking about it. But I remember the president of the Chamber of Commerce at the time said to me, that is why they do these awards. And he'd I'd met him about six months later and he said, I remember you winning that award because you are absolutely the reason why we do it because it matters to you and it, and you are, you know, it, it's, how did he describe it? He said, it matters to you and that's why we do it because you could see on your face how much it meant to you and you weren't surprised because you were confident that you did what you did, but you were so happy. 
and you were so so happy. Thanks for making me cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a little bit of a tendency at the moment to, uh, yeah. But anyway, but you know that it doesn't take much for me to either. <laughs> it's that sort of empathetic side of me. So we talked a little bit then. So you said it's about this humanness and like being human. And I know we've had conversations about something that I feel very passionate about, and that's around human leadership. And that is a little bit of where the human reboot came from. Because in my 20 odd years of being a leader, I have always wanted to be a leader that led with humility, a human leader that understands that people are humans that they need a connection to be inspired and also in the main most people need a culture where it doesn't feel robotic and that you can truly turn up to work as you and you know and be you and flourish flourish as as you so tell me what you think of that term human leadership uh, it's it's definitely a big one I'm just wondering whether I inspired your podcast <laughs> just because uh, because we we have we, we talked about it in places and I and I know that you definitely are a, a big advocate of us um, as leaders being more human and being more real I suppose it's that for me it's that Instagram kind of uh, world where we show our face that's happy and smiley and as directors, as owners, as leaders, as managers, there's a huge expectation around us to wrongly show strength at all costs at all times. And we're not allowed to show any level of the human that is inside us. And I, and I think that's really sad. I am a big believer in mental health and well-being of employees. And I get that. I do feel there's a unfair balance in terms of government and organizations that are telling companies that they need to focus on their employees their employees are in terms of their well-being and and nothing else matters because the message that is for me that is missing in that is that the leaders matter as as much as the employees the the managers matter in that and and please don't get me wrong employees are a huge part of that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I didn't believe it but there's just why do we always say you need to focus on your employees, you're focusing on your employees and just miss out the, the truly obvious statement in that saying, if we help that those managers and directors open up more and those leaders open up more and have more honest conversations, then your employees will open up more and they will see it's okay to be not okay, that, that phrase that's out there. And I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm sitting here really frustrated because it just isn't out there and then you see people like Kate Spade, a huge fashion entrepreneur in what she did with handbags and, and fashion and, and hugely successful and sadly took her own life because, and, and, and certainly had her own reasons. But, um, and I just, I just think it's awful from that point of view that, that we're not allowed to struggle as, as owners and directors of the roller coaster journeys that we go on. And, I'll give you another example, and I, forgive me, I can't remember the name of it, but I'll perhaps reference it afterwards. 
is there was a company in America that I understand the uh, a stock exchange a public company that was floated and the director uh, was going for therapy sessions and those therapy sessions got leaked and somebody managed to hack in and get, uh, get access to those therapy sessions the shares in that company dropped dramatically and unfortunately he ended up taking his life also how horrendous is that that, that happens in a world and you know that that wording around mental health, uh, one in four of us struggles with mental health or experiences challenges with mental health. Honestly, and there's a lady called Dawn, I'll credit for reminding me of, of, of this, is that truly to, to free, are we actually saying here now that three in four people don't experience mental health challenges? It's an absolute lie. Maybe those people are scared to speak out and that's why those, um, why those statistics are skewed that only one in four of us do because when you're growing a business and we are, I work with business owners now, we've, we've got one who is going for a real challenge in that business at the moment. And I'll protect his anonymity as a word. And he's going through a bit of a breakdown at the moment that we're supporting a client because his world is being turned upside down on the back of a, a year of um, furlough and, and change. And, and he's got to try and pivot his business, but it's really hard for him to do that in his industry. And we've had to take a, a different approach than we never, and we've never done it before, where we've had to just step back right from the client, but be there and, and support him and, and safeguard him, which has been a huge thing that we've had to look at now because it's never something we had to really consider and, and make sure that he's got access to the right support to be able to take, to get him to the other side of it. But he'll never tell anybody that. And I'm, I'm worried talking to you about that for him because we're not allowed to talk about it, but it seems so obvious that that will happen and what we've gone through in the last year. I wish people could see us talking now because we're becoming very animated, but it's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that if you're going on that journey, you're growing, you're going to experience bumps in the road that might not even be related to your business. Sadly, I've seen people where they've lost their parents through cancer or through these horrible things that exist in their lives. And they've still got to keep on running their business and they're not allowed to have time off. Or you've had a baby, well, tough, you've got to go and carry on running your business. And yeah, I just don't, I don't think it's where it needs to be. And I'd love to push that further and stop that from happening. And the ultimate burnout that comes from that, that business burnout that, that is created on the back of that is sad and it's so unfair. And I think sort of picking up and building on what you're saying there as well I think sometimes to be in a leading position you believe that you have to act in a certain way or be a certain be a certain leader that has perhaps been you know someone that has been before you you know we learn you know often learn about being the leaders that we are from the great leaders that we work for or the terrible leaders that we work for because we make no when I'm done I definitely don't want to be like that um yeah. but I think you know certainly female leaders as well you know when I kind of sit back and I reflect on you know my time in senior leadership and I'm working with the organizations that I do I I really really watch people now and I really kind of sit back and think about 
is that person, is that leader leading as their true self? Or are they leading in the way that they think they should be leading? And that for me is the difference in human leadership. And it's thinking about if I was that person going through that situation, how would I want my boss or leader to treat me? What would I want to do? And I don't think sometimes as leaders that we sit back and reflect enough on 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 those things I think sometimes it's like well you know this is just what happens here this is the process that we must follow and sometimes it just needs some human conversation exactly and, and do you know what we wrongly boards and, and companies they focus on profit what they don't realise is, and we've we've done um, workshops and seminars on on this before in collaboration with some other companies, and it's and it's been around. I think we called it unlocking profit through people, and it's that that true intrinsic link between people and profit. You can't have one without the other, and if you treat people as humans and treat them with the risk that respect and humility that you would expect to be treated of yourself then you will unlock that profit. It will happen. And I think that's maybe why, and I've, and I've heard, a, heard this phrase more and more over the last couple of weeks, actually, and it's that time and time again, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And, and it absolutely does. If you really focus on your culture and your people, and you said it at the start of today, and and I'll say it time and time again, I think it's on every bit of my social media, your most important asset of your business is your people. And I'll argue that out if any accountants want to talk it through with me. They should be on your balance sheet if they want to do that, but they they absolutely are. They're so important and companies forget that. And there's ways in which you need to do that and support them. And that isn't standing at the side of a room and pointing at people and telling them what they should do and marching them out the door when you're not happy with it there is such a better way to do that than than we have historically been doing and there is a big movement there's a huge movement out there around engagement and we're seeing people doing it more and i and i hope to see that continue definitely um, but yeah you're right there's too many yes people in this world and too many people that are focused on profit and get lost along that journey and forget that people and development and all of those things that go into that and culture are absolutely bigger than that and you will get that profit hey you'll probably make more i think i don't know what your experience is i've seen companies make more money through a and last year we took a a decision as a business to focus on purpose over profit particularly because of what we were going through and we knew that last year we need to do just pay bills. We had furlough money to support us along the way in different areas of our business for those that we couldn't justify that the positions running at that time. So we focused on purpose. I mean, we always have really, but we truly, truly focused on it. And what has come from that is better relationships, happier teams, more flexibility. We now have, we call it a hybrid working policy, but I would like to informally call it a fluid working policy just just do what you want where you really need to and we'll support you and in our internal stakeholders being our employees and and everybody else our banks and 
and they're on that journey and our customers get it as well because they know that we want to support them and and hey guess what we're being more profitable now than we were before the pandemic it works <laughs> we've we've just proven it and i think the whole thing around hybrid working so i worked well i did some work last year on a joint project around hybrid working it was basically remote working at that point that we've evolved into hybrid working but it's around it's it's basically our connect methodology and it's all supported around it's all around human leadership basically and actually you know not making people feel that they have to be micromanaged when they work remotely you know looking at at the outcomes that we can get but also as leaders how do we notice what our people need and notice is a huge part so it's noticing about you know what support they need actually noticing how they are mentally noticing about what they need so yeah I'm hugely passionate about that as well so let's talk a little bit about how you switch off to switch on okay this is the hardest question that you can ask me today I have struggled with it for a long time and I said to you I've gone a bit of a journey over the last couple of years and I realized that and actually it's taught some from very clever people and they talked to me about there's a I'm sure you come across it the, the ace model so it's what you what you're achieving what you connect with what you enjoy and I realized when I wrote it down on a piece of paper it was all work what I was achieving what I connected with was work what I was enjoying was work and when I had a bad week and I didn't really connect to it and, I, and we weren't achieving, I started to fall down and I didn't really have much to lean on. And I have really, truly found a huge benefit of finding a community. It's taken me 12 years in the area that I live in. It's beautiful. And you're very welcome to come over at some point. We need to, we need to get this sorted. I've got an amazing community that is around me. I, I changed to a two, three years ago, I changed my diet from being vegetarian to vegan. That's opened me up to different foods and different places that I can go to eat. And then found some people that are around me that, again, with values are really absolutely on point with me. And on my journey to become an ethical vegan, that's that's a huge part of sustainability and things like that for me personally. And now I've got people around me that believe in that and want to go on those journeys and and we sit there, we talk politics sometimes, we get a bit too involved in debate and I love it. But it's great because it gets me to switch off. I've maybe enjoyed food a bit too much over the last year, uh, but it's great. <laughs> Somebody told me once that vegan food has no calories in it. I think they were lying if you look at me over the last year. But it's great because I've, I've built this community around me that I really love and support um, one of them's moved away. I hope by the time this is broadcast, they move back, but I don't think that they'll uh, that that they will. But it's great now. They're my best friend. Uh, I'll go out and see them when when they've moved over to Wales, and I'm going to go out and see her. And it and it's great. But other than that, I think I was forced through moving a house to sit in a bath. I've I've always been a person that jumps, gets up in the morning, runs into the shower, jumps out the shower, gets my clothes, and goes to work. I never give myself that time to chill out. Um, but the house that I moved into, it was a big 1940s house. It needed converting um, and, and lots of renovations in it. Horrendous um, turquoise, green, horrible bathroom. And the only thing it had in there was a bath. 
But the amazing thing that I found out was that I can chill out. I can relax. It's that classic fight or flight. I found that nice medium in between of just chilling out and just relaxing. I found podcasts. <laughs> uh, I fell into the world of podcasts and learned how um, there was a vegan podcast that I listened to and they were great. Um, just how they were talking about the world and the rainforest and different food out there that I never knew existed and that movement and hearing people that had gone on that journey where they had gone through the same stereotypes that I'd heard and and gone through and I'm not big into activism but I'd listened to what that was about I heard people talking about what mattered to them and their personal development journeys so I've taken just this huge approach now to getting that and I've I've used this so consciously now that work-life balance is such a horrible phrase that I, I just just really just grinds on me because actually I, I completely turn it on its head and call it a life work balance. Why are we putting work before life? Oh yeah, we've got work, we're here a day in, day out and we need to just make sure our life is okay around it. No, life is what we do and work pays the bills and, and gets passionate and I'm slightly passionate today talking about the subject, but you know, work work is very much a, a huge part for me. But I need to remember that life is there, that my community is important, my family is important, my friends, I call them my family, my friends and family, they're, they're ex- my extended family, are so important. And I go to work to do what I do for something um, because I'm passionate about a subject and I don't think you can ever take that away from me. But also it pays the bills and money doesn't buy happiness, but money certainly helps you achieve it. And I can go there and I can spend time with my friends and family and it gives me that freedom to be able to go and do that. And yeah, for me, it's very much for me as a single person with a cat in a free free bedroom house. I absolutely value the time that I have around the environment that I build for myself outside of work. That's great. See, I call it a life balance. I don't even have work in it anymore. But I mean, I know we've had conversations about the kind of work addiction side, you know, yeah. when I have got a huge purpose in the work that I'm doing, I become more and more work addicted. And I do have to really watch myself. And actually, that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients. So you know, whether that be in workplaces, it's a, it's educating those high achievers how they can gain some balance so that they don't burn out because ultimately if they burn out, then that organisation could lose that person or their results could be affected. It, you know, it, it does affect profitability, etc. But also for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, whatever preneur you want to call, there's so many <laughs> preneurs. preneurs are there now, but anyway, I don't really like them We're either. all entrepreneurs. Uh, Yes, but, um, you know, in terms of that, it's just, it is, it's about trying to, it is about finding a balance, but it's about finding the life balance that you want and desire to be able to spend time with the people that are important to you, to be able to do the things that light you up and that give you that feeling of well-being to be able to stretch your brain in the ways that you want to stretch your brain that aren't necessarily associated you know with work and to be able to take some time to actually step off that hamster wheel and be able to just 
you know, take a little step back and and pause and and learn how to pause and and know that actually pausing isn't bad. Yes, absolutely. And and you know what we we have mission statements and purpose and and everything that we have as businesses. But how many people actually have a a personal mission statement, a person statement, a a personal purpose? I um I was talking to somebody recently who has retired um, and taken retirement and panicked because they were thinking, what will I do apart from work? And I said to them, what do you want to do? You know, what what is your purpose? What do you want? Um, a bit more with what do you want on your gravestone? What do you want them to read out your eulogy and say, Emma was this person that cared about this and she did this and this was really important to her. That doesn't say they they grew a business or they uh, they they made many people happy in their jobs. What do you want to be known for? What difference do you want to make for the world? And that might be Gary went around the world and he was wanted to explore and he wanted to learn new cultures. And that was hugely important to him. And what he did is he took that away from those cultures and came back and then helped his friends understand the importance of X, Y, and Z. And that's what I want to be known for. I'd, I'd love to people to be able to stand there and say, oh, we grew, grew a great business. But I don't want to lose my identity. I am a person that has grown, started a business for a very tough time, growing a business. But I am a person first and foremost. And I think that's really, really important to, to remember that it's, it's, it's balance. It is. And identity is really important. So that brings it back to what I was saying to you before about, you know, living, living and leading life as your true self, you know, leading, leading others as your true self, showing up as your true self and being brave enough to do that. Because, you know, I kind of became absorbed in how I should show up, you know, within my previous world that I was in. And I did lose my identity for a time and it took me some time to, you know, regain that. And when you realise that that you've lost your purpose and you're not quite sure who you are anymore and who you want to be, that's quite a tough journey to have to really go through. So it's something that I ask myself every week, really. It's like, you know, am I living life the way that I want to do am I showing up in the way I want to show up and there was a huge reason why I wanted to start this podcast you know it's because I wanted to get that message out there about you know how we overcome adversity how we can you know that things do change and that being human is is a positive thing you know being vulnerable is a positive thing absolutely I think we've got a duty as well as leaders, as friends, colleagues, mums, dads, brothers, sisters, we've got a duty to make sure that the people around us don't get lost in that journey. Because when when you lose that sight of what your purpose is, what you what you love, what you enjoy, connect. As I said earlier, um, it can be quite overwhelming and can be quite a scary place to be in. And crikey, over the last twelve years, I've I've dipped in and out of that place as you would entirely expect that to happen whether we choose to admit it as leaders or not and we was so important to do that and that's something that I do with our team now and, and encourage our clients to do is give them the freedom to talk about it but facilitate it because yeah. and force them to think about it because 
how often do we sit there and talk of our employees and talk about where they want to go in five years and their career plans? But very rarely do we say, what matters to you? What values have you got as an individual outside of work that matters to you? How can we support you on that journey? And how do you talk about that with your friends, your family, your, your husbands, your wives, your partners, et cetera? And, and I think we, we do, we have a duty to be able to do that. And um, how many people actually step up and, and take that truly seriously? I know we do. I know we can get better at it. And something I'm working on at the moment of talking to you that that's we're, we're pushing on that. And um, yeah, it's 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 truly something we need to to be held accountable for, but to be able to hold them accountable in turn as well. Yeah. And what I find really interesting now is I've had a number of businesses over the last, well, six, 12 months kind of come and say, like, you know, the world's changed, things have changed, people want different things now in a workplace, you know, what, what do we need to do? And actually, it is, it is that listening part, but it is finding out what is really important to to those people, because actually, their view on the world might have changed as well. But also, how does what they believe in link to the purpose of your business? And what can they bring to you? How can you support them? But actually how can they how can they really link to your mission and vision with something that they believe in because you know that might be someone's like massively interested in the environment and actually you know you have to demonstrate as a bit as a business now how you're you know eco sustainable or whatever you're doing around that so there are people that that literally would light the fire of in your organization that you probably don't even know about right now. There are people that are massively passionate about mental health and well-being that actually by giving them a little bit more responsibility around those areas would light their fires as well. So it's just, I think he's just thinking about things in a in a different way. So it wouldn't be the Human Reboot podcast if I didn't ask you, what is your personal flourishing formula for living? So any sort of mental fitness tips or mantras you live by or key learns that you would like to share with our listeners do you know one thing that I've learned and I I know I've said it already but I'm just really going to emphasize this point is making sure that you have that balance across all areas and and focus on your personal life as much as you possibly can do the community your friendships your you know your love life your romantic life whatever you want to call it all of those areas are really important and uh, for me it's not necessarily switching off it's just it's just pausing and 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 taking that time out just to go I don't need to be anywhere today I don't want to feel guilty about not going somewhere and actually start to say no a little bit more and don't feel like you need to say yes to everything and don't feel guilty about it because ironically when you ask your friends they don't mind they don't they'd rather and most of my friends when I when I speak to them and I and I, I do get guilty about it and I don't think I'll ever lose that part of my humility is that I feel guilty when I don't speak to them and I and it goes a month when I reply to a text message sometimes because I I've got into a habit now I, I mark it as unread so I know that I need to reply back to them and they get it they understand where it is and whenever I apologize or thank them for their patience the one thing that they always say is they're proud of me and they and they get it 
and they really don't mind and they'd rather make sure that I am keeping on top of things rather than worrying about not replying to a text message so yeah keep remembering that is what I would say and are there any people books podcasts well you've talked about the vegan podcast but uh, that has have inspired you along your journey Oh, do you know, Fern Cotton's mental health podcast has been amazing for me. That is it the happy place or uh, yeah. Yeah, the other. Um, that has been amazing to listen to. I've really enjoyed listening to that. Um, the vegan one is a chick peeps podcast, but um, I like not chickpeas, chick peeps. Uh, that was a really good one. Just a bit of fun. And um, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. Sorry, everyone's going like, to now troll me online. Uh, never really got into it. Too busy. Uh, maybe I need to maybe that's what I need to get into um, so they talk about that so there's a bit of funny humor along the way but books wise I've, I've always been very heavy into reading books on business and growth journeys and really important things like that of all the different elements that go into it and I've started to read a lot more around burnout and well-being because I know that it's an area that I need to work on from for myself and yeah there's there's lots of different books out there I couldn't name one right now but there's one that I have been reading around burnout balance I think it's called um happy to share it with you and that is very much um it's where I discovered about adrenal fatigue and and saw that through that work addiction and and the consequences of doing that and definitely things that I've experienced absolutely and and now I've learned about it I'm going to research a lot more and Crikey, you're asking me all these different books. There's so many that I'm trying to read at the moment. <laughs> and I think if you do want to learn more about adrenal fatigue, podcast number two, where I interview Heather Waring, she um, had burnout and found out that she had adrenal fatigue and she talks about that and how she overcame it, how she found out that she had it and the things that helped her. So that's great. Thank you so much, Gary, for coming along today no worries. if people want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that oh crikey so i am all over social media from my marketing background so normally it's gary parsons uk so g-a-r-y just one r p-a-r-s-o-n-s uk twitter instagram facebook everywhere is, is my handle talk staff of course is the business that i'm managing director and co-founder of so uh, that's talk staff depending on if you're in North or South, uh, some people say talk stuff, but staff as an employee. And yeah, talks, talkstaff.co.uk is the, the best place to learn about what we're doing, working with businesses on sustainable people strategies and the absolutely beautifully amazing team that I've got around me <laughs> that I couldn't get through a day without them um, that are most probably whilst I'm talking to you getting our payday pizza ready which is perfect because I'm extremely hungry (laughs) but they're fab they're fab they're great they're a great bunch well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and I just want to say as well thank you so much for being such an inspirational human leader likewise thank you very much I'm excited and to see where your journey goes as well oh thank you Thank you for listening to the Human Reboot podcast. I'm Emma Last, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star podcast review and visit thehumanrebootmovement.com where you can find downloadable free resources, sign up to my mailing list, or connect with me on social. So that's thehumanrebootmovement.com. 
Let's switch off so we can switch on. It's time for your human reboot.